Hi, this is Margie Geiler Alanese. This week on Shining Bright, we're talking farm hers and their journey into creating food. From farm her and author Kate Johnson, who teaches others the art of cheese through her goat dairy, to Teresa Smithmeyer, who harvests salt from the sea in South Carolina. These are some farm her journeys you won't want to miss on Shining Bright by Farm Her, Saturday at noon and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern on Roll Radio 147 and the SiriusXM app. Welcome to Shining Bright, the Farm Her radio show all about women doing great things. Women who are making the ordinary extraordinary. Women following their passion, taking action, and making a difference for themselves and others. Join me, Margie, as your host on Shining Bright by Farmher. Welcome to Shining Bright. Erin and I are here in the studio and looking forward to talking food. Food. I know. Cheese. Cheese. Of course, you bring up cheese. That was going to be my first question to you. So Erin, everybody, if you have missed this in the past, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. She's from Wisconsin. Yeah. So I obviously love cheese. I was going to say. And I really do, though. Do you? You do? Because I love cheese. Like, it's such a thing when you talk about Wisconsin. (laughs) It's beer and cheese, beer and cheese. Wisconsin has beer and cheese. And when I go to Wisconsin, I like I stop at the border and I buy beer and cheese on my way back. Smuggle back into Iowa. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I wondered if being from Wisconsin, you actually do love cheese. I do love cheese. And so when I was in an FFA, I was on the dairy food product team. What is and that? What, what so, do you do on that team? Well, you identify cheeses, right? <laughs> so you learn all the different cheese. Only and then, in Wisconsin. Yeah. Then you're in the contest and you, you have to taste it and identify it, but it's also milk. So um, identifying inconsistencies um, in milk. And so you'd have to do that too. That kind of makes me feel a little bit ill like when you talk the about side was the, not the, the bad fun. consistency mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. what is that like, well that and so like, like they would put a coin in one so it would be kind of metallic oh yeah so, so you they taste would the difference yeah they would be um you know disrupted it milk. wasn't like here's the curdled milk no <laughs> there might have been like old milk in there but you would be careful to smell instead of taste first oh, yeah. right I, the things you learn uh-huh uh-huh yeah. but we did good um, like we did well in the state, but I, I do love cheese in general. Yeah. Well, and I think I just learned this about you cause we traveled together too. Mm-hmm. You don't love goat cheese. I do not eat goat cheese. Yeah. So I cannot eat goat <laughs> cheese. <laughs> We're going to have to talk to our upcoming guest about, um, maybe that, that, cause there's a lot of people that are like that, you yeah. know, I, if it is a little too goat Right. And that's what you were telling me about is that there, there is a difference in taste based on something. And maybe she can explain that to us. Yeah. Because clearly we don't know, but there's something (laughs) out there that makes some of them like more goaty and Mm -hmm. less goaty. And um, yeah, you know, in the very first episode of Farm Her, like the very first one uh, on TV, it was back in 2016. I... A, I was like, I struggled to be on camera. And, and then I get into this situation where we're at a, a farm where they make cheese and have goats. And it's a small goat dairy in, in Tampa, Florida. Uh-huh. Pam Lunn was her name. She's been on our show a couple of times here. And um, I, <laughs> she, <laughs> she, I drank kefir, oh, but like yeah. unflavored kefir. And do you know what that is? Well, it's fermented it's for, milk. Yes, yes, I have tried it, but flavored. <laughs> it's supposed to be really, really good for your, for your gut. Like it's a very yes. like healthy thing. So I drank it, and I immediately tasted like. I mean, quite honestly, like this isn't just her stuff. Bad sour cream. It tasted like bad, bad sour, sour cream, cream. and a strange uh, like, consistency, <laughs> and that you're drinking. Yeah, and I was like, oh, now I, what I'm, do on I do? I'm on camera. On camera. Yeah, and I mean, I tried to hide it. <laughs> Decent, but I couldn't. And she immediately said, most people mix it with something. Like and a flavor. <laughs> like strawberries. Like put it, it in a smoothie right. or something. I was like, okay. Yep. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So, uh, but I too can struggle with that taste. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk to yeah. Kate. So on that note, we're going to be talking in this episode to a couple women who have been on the TV show, on the Farm Her TV show, and uh, different parts of the country, different years of the TV show. So we're going to be talking first to Kate Johnson, who um, has a business called The Art of Cheese. And so she will obviously tell you more about her story, but she is not a traditional farmer, didn't, you know, Mm -hmm. grow up on a farm, but she's created this um, small farm with goats. And I went there 
and went through her cheese making class. So she invites people into her home and she teaches. Uh, yeah. And then she does oh, some neat. of them like at a, at an offsite facility too. And so she made ricotta cheese and um, I can't remember whatever other kind of cheese, but mm-hmm. I remember being slightly scared to try it right. because <laughs> you, I was like oh. watching it be made yeah. right there. But it was different. it was interesting. Yeah. And and I think she's going to talk about this. And she wrote a book and this is in her book that it's not as scary as you might think, um, you know. And hey, on that note of food, yeah. I inter- I impressed some people yesterday. We went I was at an event and we went around the table and everyone had to share a recipe that they're really good at. And yeah. And I have gotten pretty good at making pickles and not, yes. not to brag, but. And, and you love pickles. I love them. So this is an important skill. It is. And everyone at the table was like, whoa. And I was like, it's, it's actually it's like something. not that hard, but yeah. 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 And I think that the cheese is going to be the same way. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to hear That's from awesome. Kate about how she learned it and how mm-hmm. she teaches other people and what she hopes to impart through her book. Yep tiny goat, big cheese. And so stick with us here on Shining Bright. We're going to be having an episode all about food from goat cheese to salt in South Carolina. We've got a good one coming up for you here. So stick with us. Hey, this is Melissa with Tenriff Market. Just want to share with you some of the products we make using goat's milk from our family farm. We make a variety of soaps and lotions using the goat's milk along with other natural ingredients, adding essential oils and fragrances to give them that amazing smell. Some of the scents to choose from are lavender oatmeal, double mint, eucalyptus spearmint, sweet orange, and many more. We also make a variety of lip balm, lip scrubs, and sugar scrubs. If you'd like to find out more, please check us out at www.tinroofmarket.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram. Welcome back to Shining Bright. So we have our first guest up here, and she is on the phone all the way from Colorado. Kate Johnson, welcome to Shining Bright. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's start by introducing you to our audience. Like I met you a number of years ago. You were actually on, I believe it was the first season of Farm Her, our TV show. It was. Which seems like, you know, like decades ago in my brain right now, but it wasn't all that long ago. (laughs) We're in our fourth season, uh, but we traveled to Colorado and spent some time with you. And um, to introduce you to our our audience here, I would love to have you tell us a little bit about your background. Where are you from? How did you find your way to being a farm her? All of these things. Well, I started as a city kid in Cincinnati, Ohio, but I think I was just born into the wrong place because I always had yearned to live in the country. I mean, even from being a really little kid, and I think a lot of it was centered around animals, you know, like a lot of young girls. I was pretty animal crazy, and eventually that became horse crazy. (laughs) And, um, you know, I just always would yearn for that open pasture and riding my horse, you know, out in the countryside. But we lived in the city, and my parents were city folks. Um, But eventually I talked them into letting me get a horse when I was a teenager, and I boarded him. And then I chose my college based on it being in a town that was a good place to take a horse. Oh, nice. So my mom often, yeah, yeah, my mom often says she, she sent a horse to college. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of a big thing, I feel like, to take a horse with you right. to college. I mean, yep. where did you go to college? I'm curious where you landed. College at Virginia Tech in southwestern Virginia. Awesome. Awesome. So you went and, a, a, yeah. a ways away from home to go to college, but that was in order to take your horse. I did. And the funny thing, it was it was a riding student of mine who had told me that she had some friends that had horses in, in Virginia at, at this college. And so that's kind of how I picked it. Oh, you it. chose it? Probably not the best. Yeah, probably not <laughs> the best way to choose a school, but it all worked out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So then I, I had this horse on this farm and I just loved it. Um, and then, you know, eventually you graduate and Shortly after graduation, very sadly, my horse died kind of unexpectedly. And then that kind of thrust me out of the horse and farm world. And it didn't really make sense to get another horse when I was 
just starting my career, didn't know where I'd be. So I went back to being a city girl and eventually a suburban girl and eventually, you know, went back to graduate school, got married, had kids. And then when my kids were old enough to think, hey, we'd like to do something with horses, um, it kind of started over again. And it actually started with... um, with a goat visit. We went to a dairy goat farm when they were little and I saw them on this farm and just thought, oh my gosh, I've got to figure out how to raise them in the country. (laughs) We were living in a really tightly packed suburban neighborhood and it just wasn't feeding my soul. You know, Mm -hmm. it was a great place to have young kids, but it just didn't feel like me. And, uh, so it, it took a lot of, of looking. I think we looked at every single rural property in the area for two years until we finally found this little place. Um, so we now have, we moved in about, I think it was 2005, we moved to a little five-acre property. We call it a farm, but I guess some people would call it a farmette. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we eventually got some dairy goats and some horses and started a summer camp program which was um, one of my ways to fund the animals. I said they all have oh. to earn their own income. Yeah. Well, that's a good <laughs> so way to animals. look at it, right? I mean, because right. it's not cheap yeah. to house and feed exactly. and care for. Exactly. Exactly. So every animal had to have some some monetary income producing <laughs> ability. Uh, so the horses, we taught ride, I taught riding lessons and ran summer camps. And then we got some dairy goats and we had their milk. And that's actually how I started making cheese because I had milk. Yeah. Yeah. And kept coming every day. (laughs) Right. What do you do with it? Right. It doesn't stop. That is interesting. Um, Exactly. I hear this story of goats and especially dairy goats Mm. a lot. And a quote comes back to me um, from a woman named Rachel who lives in, uh, we were in Washington. We were in Washington state and she said, goats are like potato chips. You can't have just one. <laughs> and so, you oh, know, it's so darn true. Yeah. They're very addicting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do see all the time. I've told people they're like a gateway drug into more animals. More animals. Yeah. 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 Oh yes. For that's sure. Well, and in fact, that's why Babies. my daughters joined 4-H and they wanted to do dairy goats specifically because they knew that with dairy goats, they wouldn't sell them to market at the end mm-hmm. of the fair. No, they'd get more goats the next year because you have to keep breeding them to keep getting the milk. Very clever children I had. Smart kids. So, you know, we went from two goats to four goats to eight goats, and then we had 20, and then they went off to college, and I had all these goats. Yeah. <laughs> well, so yep. when, when I met you, we uh, visited your farm. We saw the goats. You milked at least ago, again, this seems like decades ago in my brain, it wasn't all that long ago. And then right. we went inside and you had some people come over and you taught uh, a very, I think, probably brief version of your cheese making class. So you went exactly. from learning how to make your own cheese, which sounds super intimidating, quite honestly, still, I remember seeing you do it and thinking, it seems like it's not that hard, but I do feel like I could probably <laughs> mess it up really fast. Um, so, oh, yeah. well, you know, and some are harder than others, obviously, but, um, yeah, I think most people think that. And in fact, I thought that, you know, before I made my first cheese, I thought, oh, I'm so busy. I need to clear my schedule and make sure I have time. And I actually carted my goat milk across the country <laughs> to our little summer vacation place. We wow. have a, a little cottage in Michigan, um, that my great grandfather built. And I thought, you know, there I will have time to really <laughs> learn this. And the first time I made cheese, I was like, well, you kind of warm up the milk and you add some culture and you wait. And then yeah. you spoon it into a cheesecloth and then you wait. I'm like, oh, I could have done this even done. with my busy <laughs> life. But it, but it took, you know, transferring milk across the country for me to actually do it, which is kind of funny. Yeah, it, it is funny. It makes me laugh. So <laughs> there's that. Um, so, yeah, so you, you learned how to make cheese. And then, and then what led you, was it the ability to have some income created off this is what led you to saying, I'm going to teach other people how to do this? Well, the funny thing is, it was really accidental. Um, you know, I, I really was just intending to make cheese for my family as a way to use up this milk. And then um, my kids were showing their goats at our county fair. And one year, the county fair added an amateur cheese making contest to the fair. Rep- you know, you could enter your pies and you could enter cheese. And I thought, oh, well, I'll just enter some of my cheese. And then I get to be a part of the fair. And... I actually won a champion <laughs> That's ribbon. That's so neat. 
And that yeah, was after you had already is, started making cheese, right? Yeah. So yeah, you already kind of had an, an art here. Very cool. Exactly. But because of that, somebody at the fair actually um, asked me to teach a class. You know, the, the 4-H programs run by the extension service. Yeah. And they said, oh, you know, we'd love to have you teach a bunch of extension agents how to make cheese. And so that it really just started accidentally. And then it was like, you know, they took a class and then they told somebody and then they asked for a class and then somebody else asked for a class. And pretty soon I thought, well, I better get some formal training yeah. if I'm going to start teaching this. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I, I went to a, a course... Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I was self-taught up to that point. Um, but then I did do some formal training with some Vermont cheese makers mm -hmm. and I went out to San Francisco and took a course and, you know, I took what I could find around here, but there wasn't a lot being taught in Colorado yeah. about cheese making. And so after about, I don't know, I think it was about three or four years of just teaching on the side as a hobby, it just kept growing so much yeah. and there was so much enthusiasm. I just decided it was time to open a cheese making school. Well, so, good. I, I love that. We've got more from Kate. So stick with us here on Shining Bright. Hey, this is Margie. Join the journey by calling in and leaving a message with your questions or comments. Anything you want to share goes at 855-776-6147 or record it on your phone and email it to us at info at farmher.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to Shining Bright. As you heard, there is a cheese journey that happened in Kate's life. And uh, we got to experience that firsthand through Farm Her. And um, you you do make it seem very simple and easy. And I remember thinking when I was sitting there, I'm going to go home and make cheese. And I am sad to report that I haven't yet. But now I'm kind of like, maybe I should try that. The, yeah. the issue is I don't have any goats in my backyard. Mm -hmm. So you know, yeah, like, but you could you know, source most, some milk goes somewhere. I could. I, I know well, people. Right. And also yeah. most of my students don't have dairy mm -hmm. animals. And so a lot of our education is teaching you just how to select the best milk you can mm -hmm. wherever you are, even if it's just at your grocery store. Yeah. You know, there are grocery store milks that will make good cheese and there are some that won't. And so some of our education is just around selecting milk. Yeah. So, so is it something you can tell me quickly I'm sure you told me this before. Well, the I'm sorry. number one thing, yeah, the number one thing is you just have to stay away from ultra pasteurized milks okay. because they're too damaged to make cheese because of the high temperatures. Mm -hmm. So with goat milk in particular, that's the challenge is many of the brands that are sold at the grocery store are ultra pasteurized, yep. but there are brands that are not ultra pasteurized. And you. so seeking those brands out. And usually I know the local places that sell, you know, the milks that will work and the milks that won't. Um, yeah. And yeah. So as long as you, as you stick away from stick, you know, keep away from ultra pasteurized milk, you're, you're usually okay. That sounds familiar. Like I remember you saying that before. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, on our episode. So, okay. Now, You've written a book. <laughs> yeah. Which and, as I'm looking yeah. through the book, you I mean It's your journey. You have all kinds of recipes in here. So yeah. I'm like, well I this do. is easy. I should just follow the directions. <laughs> I mean it's all there's like multiple in here. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Right. So, well the fun it's kind of funny. This book has been simmering in the back of my mind for many, many years. And um, when I took that course from the Vermont Cheesemakers, one of the instructors, um, the wife of this team, is a psychic, believe it or not. Oh, and she wow. said to me, and I had not told her a thing about my interest in writing a book. And she said to me the last night of the class, she said, write that book and include recipes. What? Isn't that funny? That's yes. awesome. Oh my goodness. So, is, so you had to do it. Acknowledged in, <laughs> and, uh, and I, you know, it took me a few years to, to get around to it, but um, that's why it has recipes because wow. that was what she said it should do. <laughs> and okay. So I need to bring up something here that Aaron and I have talked about mm -hmm. before. So Aaron is from Wisconsin. She yeah. knows cheese. She likes cheese. I love cheese. And she does not love goat cheese. So we were having mm -hmm. this discussion and 
I feel like I've, I've heard something about this before, and I'm sure you run into people who have this, you know, goat cheese has a certain flavor to it. Is there different varieties of goat or different things Definitely. that, you, that, okay, that yeah. add to that goat flavoring? Kind of flavor? Yeah. Well, kind of a little bit of both. Um, so, and you know, a lot of my students say that I have a lot of students and, and not all of our classes are goat cheese. You know, we teach all kinds mm-hmm. of species and just store-bought cow milk. But of course, for me, it started with the goats and I have goats. So I make a lot of my own cheese from goat milk, but a couple of factors. One is the breed of the goat. And ironically, we ended up starting with Nubian goats because we just liked their long floppy ears. I didn't know anything about the milk, but it turns out that they have a very high butter fat and sweet flavored milk. And so a lot of people who don't think they like goat milk, it's because they've been having milk from some of the other breeds. Some of the Swiss breeds tend to have what might be described as a goatier flavor uh-huh. to their milk. Um, and a lot of times we do taste tests in our classes where mm-hmm. I have people taste fresh goat milk versus store-bought cow milk versus, you know, a couple of other things. And a lot of times they can't tell which one is the goat milk. So that's one factor. Another factor is, you know, what that goat is eating. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you do, you know, we feed an alfalfa hay and some sweet feeds, and that even makes the milk even a little bit more sweeter. And then sometimes what cultures you're using will make a difference. There's some sweeter, more buttery and aromatic cultures you can use if you are trying to, you know, not have as sharp a flavor. And then of course you can just flavor the cheese with all kinds of flavorings. Yeah. Okay. Um, Those are good. Those are good notes to have for myself. I'm going to be looking for Nubian goat cheese. I heard this from someone who has Nubian goats before. Yeah. That, that was where I heard that. Yeah. And I just, I can't tell you how many people come up after a class where they tasted Chev for the first time that was homemade. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I liked this. I yeah. didn't think I liked goat cheese. <laughs> You've converted Good, that's me. That's promising. I appreciate that. I'll, yeah. I'm going to have to give it a try now. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's worth a shot. Yeah. Yep. So Tiny Goat Big Cheese is your book. And I think the thing that jumped out at me right away was you took you, you found space in a very busy life to take a month off to write your book. And, and you went to Hawaii I to do it. I did. How smart am I? Yeah, (laughs) very, very smart. Well, yes. So my mother-in-law lives in Hawaii. And so we do go every year to see her. And this year I just decided to stay for a month. And because I really wanted to get this book, at least get a good running start. And, you know, I love Colorado, but winters are long here. And February is a month that, you know, the goats are on a little break. You know, usually they're pregnant at that time. We're not milking yet. We don't start kidding again till March. And so I just thought if I'm ever going to do it, I should just do it. And, um, so, and my husband actually had has a job that was pretty flexible. So he, he came with me, he but too. He, we both worked, you know, he worked remotely and I was writing and I got the first draft done in a month, which was wow. super Amazing. fun. Yeah. And then it's taken me until now to get it really done. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that was just the most amazing experience and totally just a great way to write a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it is a journey of your life. It it brings in the goats. It it talks about how to make cheese. I mean, you've got a lot of really great things here. And and hey, Tony over there, who's my husband. You guys can't see him, but I'm talking to him because he's he's over here. He <laughs> produces this. Uh, we are going to visit my dad in a few weeks in Florida, and I think I'm going to have to stay. For a, month. for a month. Oh, there you, you go. The kids do yeah. have school, but um, yeah, but it's true. Like removing right. yourself from your day to day will allow you to to do something big like this. And and I compliment you on that yeah. because that's yeah. tough. And yeah. it, it takes a lot of planning. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, mm-hmm. wow, that just sounds so fun. Well, it took a year of planning <laughs> yeah. to figure out how to do this yeah. and a yeah. year of saving, yep. you yes. know, and um. And I was, I've been writing for a national journal. It's actually a goat journal. Um, And so I was just saving all those paychecks, you know, so that I could put that toward this. But it does take a lot of planning. But I think like anything, if you have a vision of what you want, and then you start small, you know, and that's, that was kind of the whole idea of this title of the book too, you know, it just started with a tiny goat and it turned into big cheese, you know, that, and I'm, I try to, 
tell my story in a way that even if goats and cheese isn't your thing, the parallels to how you follow your passions really apply to any topic. And that is just, you've got to have vision and you have to have a plan and then you take a lot of little steps to get there. It doesn't happen overnight. Right. I love that. And and you always have such great wisdom. So Kate, if people want to find you or get their hands on a copy of this book, how can they do that? So um, I have the book on my website right now, which is theartofcheese.com. Mm-hmm. So you just go under shop and you can order the book there. Eventually we'll get it on Amazon, but it literally just got back from the printer. So yeah. it's yeah. not quite there yet. Um And anybody that happens to be in Colorado or nearby, I don't know when this will air, but November 20th is my official book release party. So we're doing that here at a local um, cidery in town. So yeah, they can order it at the website. Well, Kate, congratulations. And thank you for sharing a little bit of your journey here on Shining Bright. Well, thank you so much. And congratulations to you too. My goodness, FarmHer is doing awesome. Hey everybody, this is Margie Geiler-Alanese from Shining Bright by Farm Her. I want to tell you about a friend, a community member, a business owner that we really believe in. Our house was kind of a shell when we bought it and we've been working on updating and changing and adding things on and we found a local contractor that we can trust, that we love the work that they do and that is Remodel Works. Check them out at RemodelWorksDB.com. They're right here in Central Iowa. You'll love them. back to Shining Bright. In the theme of farmers who create food, we are taking it over to North, oh no, not North Carolina. We're taking it to South, South Carolina. Carolina. Let's go a little further South, get a little <laughs> bit warmer. And Teresa Smithmeyer, Teresa, welcome to Shining Bright. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to, um, to be here. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So for any of you listening out there who uh, are avid farm her across the board, Teresa was on during this current season, season four of Farm Her on RFD TV. And um, you definitely win the award for probably one of the most unique farms that we have ever seen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was uh, very interesting. And um, so let's, let's, take it back a little bit. Why don't you give everybody just a little bit of background on who you are and what you do? Sure. So um, my name is Teresa Smithmeyer. I started Bulls Bay Salt Works in 2012. And um, we are still a small company, just a, a small team of people um, harvesting water from five miles away in, in beautiful, pristine Bulls Bay and collecting that water and solar evaporating it in our greenhouses to create culinary sea salt. Yeah, which, um, you know, I guess I never really thought about where sea salt comes no, from. No, not of at all. It comes from the sea. Right. Um, you know. And you're, you're harvesting water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? It's, it's just so unique. So, Teresa, I think how you, I don't want to say stumbled upon this, but but how this came to be is a is an interesting story. So, could you tell people, like, what what happened in your life that brought you into saying, oh, I'm going to start harvesting salt, salt. from the sea? <laughs> right. Yeah, it was very accidental. Um, well, I've always been in uh, very curious and involved in farming and, you know, gr- growing things and nurturing nature. And um, at one point, we had raised a few hogs. And we're hosting a, a, a large potluck to get together um, folks that were, um, I, I was growing and selling vegetables at the time, you know, to like a small CSA of people and to a few veg, uh, to a few restaurants downtown and um, wanted to get a, get together just like a community event. And so um, we grew a few hogs and thought, well, the best way to cook a hog is you know, to, to brine it first uh, and, uh-huh. and then um, smoke it, right? Yep. So we collected seawater to brine the hog with and, um, t- and then had this leftover water and thought, well, 
what if we boiled this water and tried to get salt so that we could season the hog with like the same water? It's like everything is from right here, like being as sustainable as possible and like small carbon footprint, you know? Yep. And uh, boiled that water and got a couple of handfuls of salt and put it on the smoker and we were seasoning the hog with it and the leftover salt smoked. And so we had, you know, the hog that was seasoned with the seawater and the, and the extra salt and then the smoked salt. And um, people were really interested in it and, you know, taking it by the spoonful and can I take some home and are you going to make more and can we buy some? And there it was. yeah, there, there it just happened. Isn't that, I, I, I love this story because it's literally just like a something that most people look at as a byproduct. It's just sitting over here and you looked at it from a whole different perspective. Of, yep. Like this is, this is a really great product that we've got here that we stumbled upon. So next steps, right? Like where did you go from, okay, we had this party and we've got some of this really tasty smoked salt. Like Give me some of the in-between because I know it didn't just happen overnight that, boom, you got a business and a brand and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, what, three greenhouses there that, um, you know, you used to evaporate that water. Yeah. I mean, it it was very organic, but also kind of hilarious in that, you know, I was <laughs> usually like, like, you know, go, going to markets and like, you know, selling my vegetables and you know, I usually sold out, but every once in a while I'd come home with something extra that I didn't sell. And, um, and it was like, okay, so this is a value added product. Um, started, you know, just creating it under like the cottage law, which, you know, each state is different for food producers and different types of foods, but, um, started producing it under the cottage law and selling it alongside my vegetables. And just like, printing labels like off Vista print, you know, online. It was like very, very, very basic at first. And, um, and what started happening was, you know, I would be going to markets and I was selling the salt out before the vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so, <laughs> well, there's something here. <laughs> yeah. They like this. There's something here going on. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, it kind of limped forward and I've always, um, bootstrap this business. So, you know, really just like taking the money that comes in and putting it straight back into it and trying to build it slowly and, you know, get it going, get it off the ground. And eventually it really took traction. I think it was in 2014, um, we were a runner up in the Garden and Gun Made in the South Food Awards for um for our salt and the garden and, that, and gun I is a magazine like, is that is that a magazine right garden and gun yes yes it's a it's a it's it's a magazine it's like a, a food and and culture magazine that's here in the south yeah. and yeah. um when we won that um when we were a runner-up in that food award it really kind of like pushed us forward yeah. and that was a that was a real you know um movement that then you know, the phones were ringing off the hook and stores were calling, like, how can we get this? You know, and it was like, oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I got to be a grown up about this. Got to yep. put the big girl pants on. Bigger and, step. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So my so. question, you know, at that point, um, did you enter yourself into that contest? I assume, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, we did. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So A, that takes a little bit of confidence yes. in putting yourself out there. But when you say like the phone started ringing right on the backside, did that give you a boost of confidence uh-huh. as well to say, okay, somebody else believes in this product now, like, like, yep. like for the rest of the world to see. And so was, was that a big mm-hmm. piece of, I mean, obviously the customers were showing up, but, but would you say that yeah. your like infusion of confidence in that helped push it forward at that point? Yeah, I think at that point, it was almost like the te- like the teeter-totter, you know, where you're like, oh, it's time to go, you know, like, it, it's and time to make this And that just pushed action. you over the edge and, then. Yeah. Right. And, mm-hmm. e- and even prior to that, I had had a few stores call me that wanted to, you know, retail it. And we weren't at that point yet, mm-hmm. but it was... Um, it was, it, it was really exciting. Like, oh, like people want this. Like they, you know, they're, they're calling me, you know, uh-huh. for it. I better do and something so, about that. Right. <laughs> right. And so then you're like, okay, it's time to like 
time to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I can appreciate that. That is um, very cool. So we're going to head to break here in a minute. But when we come back, I want to talk. I I know there's been maybe, um, let's call them, like hurdles in your path, you know, and, and how you navigate around those, whether it's little ones, big ones on a daily basis. I want to talk a little bit about how you've grown it since, you know, that teeter teeter point hit. Um, and, you know, like just a little bit more digging in about the ups and downs, because as you said, you still are a very small business. It's, it is a, a small footprint, but you're doing big things. And I love that. So Everyone stick with us. I want to invite you to join our Farm Her journey today. First off, if you didn't know it, we have this thing called Farm Her the TV show. It airs Fridays and Sundays at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on RFD TV. And visit us at farmher.com where you can see all the stories, learn about all the things we have going on, read the blogs, connect with us on YouTube, and of course, check out the merchandise while you're there. And also while you're there, be sure to sign up for our mailing list to stay in the know. Stick with us. We'll be right back here on Shining Bright. Hey guys, this is Margie from Farm Her. I want to remind you all that we have some really fun, functional, cute merchandise out on our store at farmher.com and fall has arrived in the farm her market we've got some new sweatshirts hoodies one of my favorite windbreakers out there so check it out at farmher.com and while you're there be sure to use the code shining bright and save 10 percent just for our listeners Welcome back to Shining Bright. We are uh, talking to Teresa Smithmeyer in South Carolina. I keep wanting to say North Carolina, Teresa. I don't know why I'm putting you <laughs> further north than you need to be. It is cold weather season. Let's not do that. Um, but uh, for, right. for those of you who might have just started listening, um, Teresa harvests sea salt. And it's a very unique operation. And um, it comes from water that she collects out of Bulls Bay. So to, to give people, if they, if you haven't seen this TV show, it's going to air again soon. You, you you can go on to RFDTV, rfdcc.com slash farmherfan and sign up for the country club so that you can stream it. It's really cool. But, but what happened was, you know, uh, I showed up at Teresa's farm and, um, you know, one of the neatest things, like you talk about how you harvest it. And I was like, I can't wait to see this. And it, it's, it, I don't want to say it's simple, but it's, it is a very like simple thing. You have a pump and you harvest water from this Bulls Bay, which by the way, you have like the best natural filtration there, right? Like you have the most pristine water. It was so clear Uh, to see uh, how that water comes in through that bay and it comes down through that protected area. Um, and so it's, it's such a cool thing and to, to go back and, uh, use that heat, use that solar power to let it evaporate. And I just love that episode. I could watch it over and over again. We receive lots of comments. Um, and so I, I think it's just such a unique process that makes complete sense. Right. 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 <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. just taking it all back to basics. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. It is basic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but basic in a big way, because you're, you're doing a lot of it now. I mean, that was also evident, you know, and so over the last few years, you've, you've really grown this business. And so I want to talk a little bit about that path. And my first question for you, Teresa, is I have no doubt that you come up against hard decisions all of the time. And so when those happen, right, like multiple times every day, maybe it's bigger decisions, you know, on a, on an annual basis or whatever that looks like. Um, I, I know that they happen behind the scenes of any small business. And so how do you, how do you deal with those decisions? Do you have like a network of people that you go to? Like, do you, do you start making lists? Like, what is it that you do to help break those down? That's a great question, Margie. I think it's, everything is always in flux, you know, and what we do is so much like farming, like, like conventional farming that, um, you know, we, we are always challenged with um, environmental conditions and, you know, other things that pop up at any given moment. And, and having such a small team, you know, someone might be sick or someone has a doctor's appointment or, 
you know, things, you know, it's raining really hard. And um, so I, I think that I, I have a pretty solid network of, um, of people that I can rely on in terms of employees, um, which I, I only, by the way, have two of. <laughs> and, um, but also my family is a, a huge supporter um, emotion, emotionally and mentally um, to get through some of those hard times. And then I, um, I'm a list maker, Margie. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I spell it all out. I've got all the calendars and the, you know, yeah. every, every space is filled in. And so, um, you know, to, to get through those, those hard times, I guess, I guess I would say I do what most people do is, you know, you adapt and change and, meditate and pray and, you know, hope things continue to go your way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a constant thing. It's an ebb and flow of that for sure. Now, um, you know, I think in your case and in many cases of people who are in, whether it's conventional or, or non-conventional farming or agriculture or food of, of some way, like you got into this because of a passion about the product, right. Of, of what you do, but the reality of day-to-day business is that you've got a business to run. Right. And so did you, um, have you built your like business, um, like capabilities in different ways? I mean, I, it's the thing for me too, right? Like I love to take pictures, but oh my gosh, I got to make sure that the books balance and I got to deal with all the other things. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard one because I feel like whenever anyone has ever asked, me like oh should I start my own business or or you know I'm, I'm doing this or whatever um originally like your passion is not sitting in front of QuickBooks into it right. you know right it, it still is not like, FYI it's, right. it's some other thing and and you just have to build build that into the system but it is hard um I think that for me I, um, because I don't have a business degree. Um, I, you know, I I went to college, I studied biology, but, um, uh, for me, a lot of it is following my gut instinct and, and like trying, really trying really hard to like pay attention to the cues and, uh, you know, obviously like the outside sources of information and, you know, using your resources yeah, and conferences, but but when it comes down to like a really hard decision, it's like, I just have to follow my gut. And I feel like that's treated me well, you know? So it's, um, it's never easy to balance all of those, uh, moving pieces, but that's the best thing that I've found that I I can, I can home in on, you know, it's like, all right, well, what's my heart saying? What's, you know, what's my gut saying? You got to trust it because if it's not right in the beginning, it's probably never going to be right. And I think that is like just proven to me over and over and over again, almost, um, let's say a weekly basis. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's good advice. It takes, (laughs) it takes confidence though, too, to stop and trust that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And practice. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yep. For sure. So, uh, Teresa, what is one thing that you're really proud of with what you've done? I, mean, I know that's always a hard thing for women to like say that out loud, right? But but I'm just going to ask you because yeah. I, I can tell you all the things that I think you should be proud of. But, <laughs> but what's one thing that um, you know you are proud of with what you've built with um, Bulls Bay Salt? That is that is a really hard question, Margie. Um, I um, I. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm proud to say that I am a woman owned business. Um, I, my right hand person is also a woman and, um, and we kick ass every day. Am I allowed to say that on the radio? Say it for sure. Say it all day long. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, just that we, we pull it together and, um, pull in the resources that we need. And, and I'm, I'm proud of my team. And I'm, I'm proud of what we've built together. You know, like I don't, I don't think it's really like I couldn't do it by myself. Right. So, um, so I, I'm proud of the selection of, of people that I work with and, and, and all of us working together and working really hard. Yeah. 
Well, and I think that's very evident if, if I think back about your episode too. I mean, it, it, it is a team effort. And even behind the scenes of that episode, I mean, we could, we could see that, right? That, that team is, um, that team is everything there. So um, congratulations on, on building a good team. That, that is a really, really tough thing. That is, that is one of the hardest right. things, right? And to foster that as you move through that. So um, Teresa, thank you. If people want to find Bulls Bay Saltworks, how can they do that? Um, you can find us online, bullsbaysaltworks.com, uh, where you can order. And if you're looking for a shop to um, to purchase locally, we do have a list of retailers on our website. Awesome. Uh, so you should be able to find us in, in all facets as well as on Amazon. Yeah, and oh, I great. can attest to the salt, everybody. Mm-hmm. I use it every day here. We, we have the spicy kind and the smoked kind, and they go into just about everything here, and I absolutely love it. So I'm going to need to place an order myself here soon. So, Teresa, thank you so much for joining us on Shining Bright. Thank you both. Have a wonderful day. You too. This is Katie Crow, owner of Uplift Fitness Studio. Uplift Fitness Studio is a boutique fitness studio located right in the heart of Grimes, Iowa, in the Governor's District. Uplift offers a variety of group fitness classes, such as yoga, cardio, Zumba, bar, and strength classes. All new students can get their first week free with no obligation. At Uplift Fitness, we are passionate about uplifting women in our community to be strong, healthy, and happy. We strive to make a difference in their lives by creating an environment that allows our members to obtain their fitness goals and enjoy their experience in comfort and safety. Visit our website today at www.upliftfitnessstudio.com. Next week on Shining Bright, we're in the studio with one of our favorite farmers, Kristen Clark of Food and Swine. Join us as we talk about holiday traditions and as she shares some of her best holiday hacks, whether it's baking or just making it through with less stress and more enjoyment on Shining Bright by Farmher. Shining Bright. We are wrapping up this episode, which has been all about food from the, I guess we'll call it, it's not the middle of the country, over in Colorado, all the way over to South Carolina. A couple of the women who I have had the uh, fortunate chance to meet and to get to see behind the scenes of how and why and what they do. And on that note, I want to talk a little bit about, at this point, we are wrapping up. We are basically done with the first half of season four on RFD TV of our TV show, Farm Her. And so I know many of you do listen to that. I want to encourage you to tune into that because it is a journey of states. It is a journey of places. We go all across the country. You see different landscapes. You see different, um, you know, types of farms. We might go to an urban farm. We might be in a really big rural operation. You know, it, it really, really, really runs the gamut. But what we always try to do, and I think this is important um, for agriculture, I think it's important for viewers, I think it's important um, for interest level, is we always tie it back to food. Or we, we at least try to, right? Because at the root of what we all do, there's there's so many reasons why we do it. But it all goes back to what we eat. It really, really, really does. And so you're going to be seeing even more of a focus as we go into our uh, next season about some of the ways that people connect with consumers about how they they eat, right? Like agritourism operations, places where you can experience the farm and get to try some of the food or a product that comes off of that farm. And so no different from sea salt in South Carolina, right? And um, if you haven't seen that episode, again, we traveled to South Carolina. We went and watched as she uh, pulled in that water, that pristine water off of Bulls Bay, took it back and has a really great method for basically evaporating the water and getting to the point where we just have the salt left, this really, really wonderful salt. And so, um, you know, we try the salt. I get to try these things 
on air, which is always a challenge. Let me tell you, chewing while you're trying to be on camera is a unique talent that I have tried to hone over the last few years. But, um, you know, trying those different things and letting you know that, that there is an end to all of this work, right? That there is a piece and a component and the piece that most of the people out there see that is, um, you know, really first and foremost in, in all of this. And so whether that is a goat dairy, where we take that goat milk that was just uh, just came out of the the dairy operation, and we take that inside, and we learn how to make cheese out of it, or whether that's water that we see go through an evaporation process, and we learn how to make salt. Actually, we don't make salt; we, we harvest the salt from it, right? Like it's it's literally already there, and how they finish it, and maybe they smoke it, or they add some pepper to it, or whatever that is, and so. You know, this food journey is is really real. And so some highlights from this first half of season four as we talk about food. We kicked the season off in Southern California on the largest apple orchard in Southern California. We were in the San Bernardino area and we were with Emma Riley and apples, apples, apples are the name of the game at this huge agritourism operation, but but legit operation where food comes out of this in droves as well, right? To the sea salt, which you just heard from Teresa. Um, you know, we go to Amanda Freund, who is a dairy in Connecticut, the Freund family. And there's there's a food aspect to it, of course, the the dairy, but we talk about some of the unique things that come out of that they have a methane digester. They create a product called cowpots. They are like using all of the waste that comes out of their farm for good. It's so cool. Um, Ann Wilds, the blueberries in Georgia, right? I can't tell you that I've always loved blueberries, but straight off of that bush in what is the uh, blueberry capital of Georgia, I learned from Ann that blueberries can have a whole different taste. And so we see behind the scenes of how they're grown and what what goes into, um, you know, making sure that they have enough water and monitoring that and then harvesting them, packing them, getting them to the store. You know, you get to see behind the scenes of all of that. We go to Block Island and you get to see a young girl who um, raises chickens for eggs. And then we get on a boat and we go to an oyster farm. You guys, you see so many different things. We go to another island all the way across the country from Block, Block Island, which is in Rhode Island. We go to Whidbey Island off of Washington State and a family that is raising livestock and selling it right there in a store on the island. I mean, there's so many different pieces of food in this first half of the season. I encourage you to go back and watch it all. It's going to start re-airing this winter, the first week of December. You're going to be able to start all over again with this. And a couple I don't want to miss, greens in the Chicagoland area, maple syrup in upstate New York, you guys. It's a pretty tasty season. You've been listening to Shining Bright by Farmhood. Be sure to listen Saturdays at noon and Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM's Rural Radio 147 and the SiriusXM app. And now, go shine bright.